welcome to Health, Happiness and Homeopathy. Hello, my name is Madeleine Innocent. I want to help you reach your greatest potential through holistic means, which are both logical and empowering. Raising children to be themselves. When I was about 10 years old, we, the family, was in London in the UK. I remember being at one of the main train stations during rush hour. Looking down from a bridge across the road was a sea of people crossing the road. Having grown up in the country, this was a new experience for me, and I suddenly felt that I didn't want to contribute to this. I didn't want to have any children myself. And this has always stayed with me. I did, however, help raise my stepdaughter. So some might say I'm not the best person to talk about raising children. However, I was one myself many years ago, and I'm aware of what helps people being one myself. The trouble with the current Western way is that people are not raised to be themselves. The system, very deliberately in my view, sets out to make us into dependent robots who prop up a destructive and degenerative and hopefully now dying system. If you're someone who's glued to the TV every night, you probably feel rather gloomy about the future of humanity. However, there is a growing number of people who have opted out of the system and who are doing their own thing, either in an accumi- oh, sorry, either in a community of like-minded people, or in the country, or even where they currently live. What they're doing is going back to basics with raising children, who are the future of humanity. And it's not something the authorities like, so there can be backlash, but that doesn't seem to deter anyone. So let's start at the very beginning. When a couple decide to have children, it's a good idea to clean up their their own health first. People often come to me to do this with homeopathy, which can stop familial traits. <coughs> Excuse me. Which can stop familial traits from being passed down. So it's an excellent start. However, diet, lifestyle and other environmental factors all play a big part. Obviously, it's preferable that the mother is in robust health, but so too should be the father, at least at conception. Both in traditional societies, as well as with homeopathy, we know that everything the mother goes through during pregnancy affects the child. So the ideal life of the mother during this time should be the most harmonious life possible. A stressful job is not going to do the child any good at all. Whatever the mother feels, so does the baby. The body experiences films as reality, and that's why we're drawn to them and experience feelings. But during pregnancy, the child will also experience these feelings. Scary films will lead to a very scared baby. Usually this fear lasts the lifetime of the individual. So the television is not going to be helpful or any other media source as they thrive on bad news and sudden action. Instead, a loving, peaceful and calm environment is needed. Being out in nature as much as possible is calming for most people. Being around animals who will all know of the pregnancy and will take great interest is also calming. 
Avoiding the very often harmful medical interventions during pregnancy is easy when you've taken the above measures. Problems in pregnancy are rare in healthy women who live in a loving, calm environment, consuming a natural, wholesome diet that supplies all her and her baby's nutritional needs. However, the first pregnancy is always a bit worrying as mothers don't really know what to expect. So apart from having regular homeopathic consultations to keep an eye on your health, a midwife is essential, preferably a sensible, experienced one of like mind. These are invaluable. Most mothers will tell you that they took more control of the situation with their second or subsequent child than they did with the first. Planning a home birth is going to be the least stressful for both mother and baby. And planning a water birth can be the easiest way to bring a child into the world as they're already in a water world. If a water birth can't be arranged, then using gravity to help with the birth makes a lot more sense than lying horizontal. So squatting or kneeling with the body vertical helps the birthing process. Once the baby has once born, the baby has an instinctual uh, impulse to crawl to find the breast. This can take up to an hour, so both mother and baby need to be kept warm during this time. And it's suggested that after the baby's first meal, by which time the umbilical cord would have stopped pulsing, showing all the blood has been returned to the baby, the father can cut the cord. Under no circumstances should the cord be cut when it's still pulsing. That blood belongs to the baby and was removed to help the the birthing process. Breastfeeding babies isn't just nourishing for them. It also helps them in incarnate. They've come from a spiritual world and are now born into a physical and linear world, which really makes no sense to them. And mother's milk is perfectly designed for the baby. There are various positions for feeding babies that can be explored for the most effective one. Breastfeeding is really a no-brainer as it doesn't involve purchasing formula or washing bottles. Mothers can be helped with any problems she faces with breastfeeding, with homeopathy, such as inverted nipples, pain on feeding, mastitis and so on. It should be and can be an an enjoyable experience for both. All mammals sleep close to their young in the first weeks with close body contact. Separating a baby from the mother will create great insecurity in the baby. Sleeping with your baby is not going to create problems unless you take drugs. A mother's instinct is very sharp and she will naturally do everything in her power to protect the baby. Weaning a baby is best done by the baby, unless the mother experiences problems that can't be resolved. Babies will often still want the comfort of mother's milk up to four or five years of age, if only as the last meal of the day. No natural food is out of bounds for a baby to try once they start to show an interest. They'll watch you and want what you're eating, so a clean diet is setting a good example. Bear in mind 
<coughs> excuse me, <coughs> that children do watch and copy their parents. So being the change you want to see in the world or your children is something to keep in mind. Raising children around animals and nature, if only, even if only in a park, is, I feel, essential for all for their all-round balance. However, children do need to be taught to be respectful of animals. Animals will rarely harm a child, and I suggest when it does happen, it's because the child isn't respecting the warning signs. There's an unwritten law in the animal world that youngsters are to be tolerated as they're still learning. However, the parents must teach the child that when an animal gives a warning sign, it's time to retreat. And this could be uh, the bearing of teeth in a dog or possibly a low growl or a hiss in a cat or a swipe. Never admonish the the animal. There's always a scale of warning signs and the end one of attack will only ever be need, be used when all others have been ignored and the animal can't escape and is desperate. Escape is usually the first sign they've had enough. Animals are great teachers and when we listen we can learn so much. That needs to be passed on to children. Cats love to welcome in new babies. The idea that they will smother them is far from true. They'll welcome them into this strange world they have found themselves in. It's a good idea not to keep picking up babies and toddlers. They get involved in what they're seeing and doing and they need time for it to make sense to them. You don't want to interrupt this process. Some parents think their child is being stubborn, but in homeopathy we appreciate the notion that somebody needs to process things completely before they move on to the next thing. It's not a good idea to interrupt that process. Allowing a toddler to crawl around in a garden is allowing them to learn about grass and leaves, insects and trees And that's so much healthier and much more useful than artificial toys, however educational they may be. Giving a child forewarning of what you're planning to do with them, even when they apparently can't understand you, is a good idea. It's also respectful, as not too many people of us, not too many of us like to be suddenly dumped into a situation without any forewarning. One of the things I find quite hard to understand is farming children out to strangers to educate them. In traditional societies, the teachers were travellers and moved from community to community, staying with families while they taught the children whatever it is that it was that they knew. And that meant the parents knew what was being taught and how it was being taught. The lessons were also at the child's instigation rather than set times. The child's interest was piqued. Apart from learning to read, write and do basic arithmetic, the most important subject was about um, learning to look after yourself, the healthy foods, how to prepare food, how to grow food, how to forage for food, how to garden for food, and a host of DIY skills in areas that they'll be living. Examples now include how to manage a bank account, how to change a car tyre, how to mend a torn garment, how to make a garment. 
learning about weather, seasons, what different clouds mean, and the impact they have on our world. It's endless. And they're basic life skills, navigating your world, whatever that is. Entertainment should be family fun. Everyone is involved. Screens are best left alone. Children's growing brains suffer badly with the EMF from screens, Wi-Fi, etc. In traditional cultures, young children show a great interest in what they eventually learn and use extensively as adults. In other words, young children already know what they want to be as adults. We've all heard of people saying they knew what they wanted to do when they were three years old. If a child shows an interest in an area, allow them to explore it as much as possible. Forget the slew of expensive and artificial toys children are swamped with today. Follow their lead and allow them to get accurate information on the subject. They may chop and change as they learn about things. Let them. Don't try to mould them. There's a much sought-after school in Russia where the children pretty much teach themselves all sorts of skills. There is a curriculum of sorts, but the students learn at their own pace and support each other whatever age. They graduate years before their peers in conventional schools. There are some progressive schools appearing in the West of varying quality, most notably the Rudolf Steiner schools, but more are developing. Perhaps some questions to ask yourself when choosing a school for your child is, do you want them to be able to prop prop up a failing system or do you want them to be equipped to care for themselves, whatever happens? One thing that young children are very good at is sussing people out. Whatever you do, don't interfere with that. If your child doesn't like your much-loved cousin or friend, respect it. It doesn't necessarily mean these are bad people, but they're either not good for each other or not good in that moment. I recall I had to be polite to somebody I knew had bad intentions. If your child looks at somebody and says, I don't like you, (laughs) whatever you do, don't admonish them. By all means, apologise discreetly to the affected person. But then, in a quiet moment, you can ask your child why. You may not fully understand the reply, but do be respectful. One teacher I met said she thought children were terrible liars. I feel children will only ever lie when they aren't being heard. They don't want to upset their parents, and they know whatever they say is not respected. So they lie to keep the peace or keep out of trouble. It's quite sensible in its own way. There's a great line in dog training where you ignore the bad behaviour and praise the good behaviour. Dogs hate being ignored and love being recognised as worthy and really people aren't much different. Punishment is not something to be encouraged. Instead, it's better to talk through the incident, showing both sides and what the consequences could be or could have been or were without exaggerating. Another good habit in dogs is that they respect their leaders when they're calm and know how to keep the pack out of trouble. Again, the same for people. So in any emergency, be calm 
assess the situation and don't panic whatever you do. You need to act rationally and calmly for the good of the situation and for the good of the child's learning. You can be prepared for a lot of situations by recognising what might happen where you live. Injuries, insect bites, snake bites, spider bites, falling in bodies of water, burns, sunburns and so forth. Learning about and having the appropriate homeopathic remedies for these situations allows you to easily and effortlessly deal with them. Even small children are very good at recognising homeopathic remedies. The energy speaks to them. Always be prepared to apologise. We're all human and sometimes they get in the firing line when we can't take any more. When we've calmed down and diffused ourselves, then apologise. Try not to let the child sleep without that. All they need is the apology, not necessarily an explanation, and it can totally diffuse the problem. Children up to the age of about six are very intuitive. It's what is also known as vertical thought. Currently, most of us operate from linear thought, what we've learnt from others or from our own experiences. Now we're coming into the age of vertical thought, where we can access any knowledge, but only when we need it. So small children can access that, but as they integrate more into their physical lives, they lose this ability unless encouraged not to. And that's why you hear the expression, my three-year-old going on 30. So they're very wise. But the way they express it is not always easy to understand from our linear point of view. So we have to ponder what they said. The endless questions in the terrible two age is less about them wanting to know and much more about why we're making things so complicated. They see their world from the intuitive point of view where things are so much easier. They want to know why we want to make things so complicated. Of course, they don't know we can't see. Children feel energy, so don't think for a moment that you can hide things from them by not talking about it such as if you're having an argument with your partner or if you're considering separating. All that will achieve is to make them anxious. I recommend talking about any worries, but not burdening them with them, mere mentioning it in passing, as it were. That They may give you some excellent advice, a bit like the three-year-old going on 30. <clears throat> and I think most teenagers, especially appreciate having an independent parental figure who they can talk to. Parents can be too close. Grandparents can be ideal, as they also have the wisdom of experience. So I've linked a couple of excellent videos about allowing animals to be who they are, which I think is pertinent to what I've just been talking about. To your good health, Madeleine. <laughs>